For those who don't like sermons, it's only going to be short. For those of you who like sermons, I'm going to speak very quickly. <laughs> We're continuing our story of Joshua uh, and going into the Promised Land, which I think is quite appropriate for Easter Day. So I've got to go through three chapters of Joshua and then pick out a few points. And it occurs to me that the reason why I think it's appropriate for Easter Day is what Jesus said in John 7 to 9. I'll read that says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. We go into Jesus and we come out to find pasture. Going in, coming out, going through a gate from one thing to another. That's what gates are about. And going into the land, it's the same thing. It was what happened to the the Israelites. They went from one place into what God had promised them. So I'm going to read through three chapters, and then I'll go through and just pick up various points as to how I think it applies and what we can take from this that can apply to our life. Joshua chapter 3. Early in the morning... Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep at a distance of about 2,000 cubits, about half a mile, uh, between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I was with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the, of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here, listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests have carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during all harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap at a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Peter carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, stopped in the middle of the Jordan, and stood on dry ground, 
while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down in the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he'd appointed from all the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God to the middle of the Jordan. Each of you to take up the stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. The Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua said that the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan are the spot where the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priests of the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord, and the priests came to the side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle, in front of the Israelites as God had directed them, as Moses directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for, for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Come on, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their place, set their feet on dry ground, than the water of the Jordan referred to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In future, when your descendants ask their parents what these stones mean, tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us when we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of God, the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord. Now when the Amorites, kings of the west of Jordan, or the Canaanites, came <coughs> along the coast, heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites, till they crossed over, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that, had come out had been circum that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved out in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age had left the, when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give them. Give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So raised up their sons in their place, 
And these are the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they had been healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th of the month, while camped to Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. As commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell down to the, face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. There's lots there. It's a story. It tells us an amazing story about these people having walked around the wilderness 40 years, going to the place God had promised. The first thing is that I, I, I wanted to think about is the fact that the people crossed over. All those who were going to the land crossed over. That meant every single one of those people walked in front of the ark on the dry ground into the promised land. They had to cross over. They had to physically walk over. It's personal involvement. And that's what we've got with Jesus. There's a personal involvement. It's got to be you and God at some point connecting and you saying, yes, this is for me. The next thing, they made, they set up memorials. We need to remember what we've done. The memorials are there so you could look back and say, that's what God did. The reminder of what God has done. Reminder to the Israelites of what God had done for them. At this time of year, we generally remember what Jesus had done for us. That's one of the, the benefits of celebrating Easter and the other Christian festivals. They're reminders of what God has done, how he's made, made an impact in our world. So at Easter time, remember the empty tomb. Remember that Jesus died, but the tomb is empty. He's no longer dead. He's alive. The tomb isn't filled with, with the body of Jesus anymore. It's alive. And another corporate memorial we have is communion, which we had earlier. It's a reminder of what Jesus did for us, individually and corporately, together. We are in this together. We're individually deci individual decisions, but we're in this together. We're part of the same loaf, if you like, part of the same bread. And then individually, we've got baptism which is, I think there's a picture, um, memorial, not very clear, but well, that was me being baptised, 1978 in the River Dee near Chester. The memorial, I can still, I don't need the picture, I can still remember going under the water and this browny water closing over my, over my, over my face as I went under, thinking, blimey. Um, <laughs> but it's a memorial reminding me of what I did, that Jesus and I are connected. So you can look back different ways. You can look back on the past with longing, you can, like they did 
the Israelites did. They looked back to Egypt and they said, ooh, it's great there. We had all these, these, these things like cucumbers, I think it was, wasn't it? And all this stuff. They forgot the fact there were slaves there and living under a, a, an oppressive regime. But we can look back with longing and think, ooh, that was better than then. But we, all this stuff about what God's making me do, it's just too hard. But think, it's actually even harder before you actually knew God. Things weren't good. But we can look back at the past, longing for the past. Or we can look back with regret. I wish I'd done that differently. I wish I hadn't gone that way. Or we can look back and say, well, God, whatever's happened, that's where I was. And this is where I am now. And that's the benefit of a memorial. You can say, God, at that point you met me. And whatever's happened in between, you've changed me. You've taken me on. You've moved me into a different place. See, how you look at the future depends how you look at the past. If you think, if you live looking with longing at the past, you, your future is going to be more of the longing and more looking backwards and thinking, oh, if only that, that had been worked out that way. And Bruce Springsteen got a song about it called Glory Days. Looking back, people who, who are completely locked into the past they can't live for the future because they're locked into what could have been in the past or what was happening in the past. Or if you look back with regret, you'll always miss the opportunities ahead of you because you're thinking, well, I'm, never, I'm not worthy of, of benefiting those things. Or you can look forward and say, Jesus, in you, everything is behind me. I've gone into the gate and I've gone out into the pasture and now I'm in a new place. I'm with you again. That's how you can see the future. You can face the future thinking, God, whatever happened at this point in time, the past is past. We've got a friend, wife and I, whose favourite saying is, what's past is concrete. You can't change it, it's there. And it's a really helpful analogy to think that's happened. Good or bad, it's happened. You can't change it, move on from there. Next thing. He then circumcised all the people. So the... Not something I want to do particularly, but he did it because at that time it was an appropriate symbol that they were God's people, that they were covenanted to God. God had made a covenant with them and they were responding. And he's saying, Your, what you do is entirely based upon me. You can't do anything without me. You, I'm committed to you and you're committed to me. And it says a lovely thing. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And that's what Jesus does. He rolls away the reproach. The things that, that were stopped us becoming close to God. The things that stopped us receiving God's love. The things that stopped us enjoying the benefits of who God is were taken away. And that's what happens when we commit ourselves to Jesus. He takes away what the things which, are, which were there, which were wrong, we call it sin, the things which are out of order in our lives, God deals with them so we can actually come to know him and know his fullness. Because it's all to do with dealing with it and moving on. Dealing, that's what dealing with, moving on. What Jesus came to do, it wasn't just a one event where you just keep looking at all the time, you know, like, like this is like, Groundhog Day, you know, looking at the cross every single day. Yes, we do, but we look, look at the cross because it reminds us what we can come into. It reminds us that because of that, we can now live fully 
If we, if we just stick at the cross and never actually move forward into what God's promised us, we're missing out. Next thing. God's made the promised land available to us, to you. And what is a promised land? For the Israelites, it's very clear. They were going into this particular physical land. They were going into this land. Fruitful land. Interesting land. Not very big, but interesting. Variety of, of geography. And they're going in. Our promised land. What's that? In one sense, there's a sense of eventually we'll be in heaven with God. One, there'll be a point... In Revelation, it says when God rolls up the earth and creates a new heaven and a new earth. So that's a promised land. And we, we gain entry by, by knowing Jesus now. But on earth, there's also the kingdom of heaven. We can be part of a loving community. And we're not perfect, but that's what we are. We can have growth in personal holiness. Become more like Jesus. More and more of Jesus should be flowing through our lives. Should be, we should be changed to be more and more like Jesus the longer we go on. Galatians talks about the fruits of the Spirit. That's what should be in our lives more and more increasing. That's a promised land. These good things are in us. We are patient. We are joyful. We love. We care for people. But we have to work at it. What's interesting is the manna stopped. Do you notice that? When they ate of the, ate of the fruit, of the, the manna stopped. God was saying, I'm not going to spoon feed you anymore. Now is the time for you to take a step up. Step up to the plate. Go through and start taking responsibility. Because I'm not providing for you anymore the manna. Anything I'm going to provide is going to be working with you and you working with me as you cultivate the land. We've got to work with God. We can't just expect God to spoon feed us, just to sort of drop everything on our lap and say, oh, God, when someone would say, God, why is this happening to me? And he says, well, because you're not working with me in this. You're not necessarily following me. You're not necessarily being obedient to me. Just work with me. Spend time with me. Let's walk through this together. Cultivate the good things I'm trying to get you to cultivate in your life. Because you won't see fruit unless you start trying to cultivate things. I'm not saying you can make them. God's going to have to let these things grow. But you've got to do the, the, sow the seed. You've got to start putting stuff in, putting good stuff in. If you don't put good stuff in, reading your Bible, praying, meeting other people, being prepared to change, then you won't change. And then at the end, we have this great meeting where Joshua is about to take on the first battle and he, he gets up and he sees a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword and he goes up to him and says are you for us or against us and this chap says neither but as commander of the arm of the Lord now I have now come neither I'm the God isn't on our side you're not on our side. We've got to be on his side. He's supreme. And the, the essence of the cross is, whose side are you on? Who are you going to serve? There's an echo in what in this, this meeting with Joshua and, and, the, and the Lord. There's an echo of right at the end of Joshua's life 
when he's talking to the Israelites and basically saying, keep following God. They say, oh, yes, we will do. He says, no, you're not going to. But he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's an echo of it here. He's saying, whose side are you on? And Because he says, what message does the Lord have for my servant? Joshua says. And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And that's where we are today. See, the cross of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, forces a decision. Everybody's got to make a decision. Everybody's got to decide, are they going to walk over the Jordan River or not? Are they going to enter the promised land or not? What's your choice? That's your choice today. If you're a Christian and you've made a choice, are you sticking with it? Are you determined to follow through what God's saying? Are you determined to change? Are you determined to say, God, I'm going to change. I'm going to work with you to change. Or are you going to stay where you are? Are you going to sit back and say, oh, it's okay. Oh, I'm saved. It's okay. I don't do anything else. I can stay and be a lousy person, but I'm saved. It's not what God wants. He wants to go into the, into the land and say, change. Become more joyful. Become more holy. Become more loving. Become more godly. There's no opt-out. Either you're with God or you're against him. And you've got to choose. What's your choice today? So I'd just like to pray now. Jesus, we come here and we stand on holy ground. We just come and honor you, Lord God, who gave everything up for us that we could have everything you have. I pray today, Lord God, you'd help us make the right decision. Lord, I pray today that those of us who know you would renew our vows, renew our commitment to you, and determine to walk closely to, with you, to change our lives, to be changed, and become more and more like you. And I pray for anyone who doesn't know you, they would make a decision to know you, that they would look at the evidence and say, I'm in. And just pray, God, you'd move now. You'd move in each of our hearts and help us choose you, Lord God. Choose you, because the ground we're standing on is holy. Amen.